When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. All right, the Monday nighter. 11 and a half left in the second quarter. Patriots leading the Bills 11-7. National Hockey League tonight, about 13 minutes in. No score, Coyotes and Stars. Early in the third, Ducks and Capitals tied 3-3. It is the Avalanche up 5-3 on the Flyers as Mike Yo takes over for Lane Vigneault in Philly. Uh, beauty of a goal by Kale McCarr today on an end-to-end rush for the Avalanche. 2-2 Senators and Devils. That's about seven minutes into the third. Coming up later, Seattle home to Pittsburgh. And the Kings, after winning in Edmonton, will face the Vancouver Canucks as the Canucks made big changes today. Jim Benning out as GM. Travis Green out as head coach. Bruce Boudreaux takes over behind the bench. Uh, Bo Horvat with some thoughts there. Has a lot of, you know a lot of positive energy and and uh, you know he wants to get the best out of his players and you know he has a uh, you know a few new ideas and and ways that he thinks we can improve as a team and excited to get that uh, going here tonight. Our team needed a spark and and uh, Bruce coming in and and having positive energy and, and wanting us to do well and believing in our group. I think uh, you know it brings us new life and um, but at the same time. You know, we have to go out there and prove it now. I mean, there's, uh, it, it's up to us. It's always been up to us. Um, we all got to be accountable in there and, and go out there and prove it. Well, they need a spark, that's for sure. The Canucks sitting with a record of 8-15-2. That is the bottom of the Pacific Division. And if you consider that uh, teams who make the playoffs are usually at least, and I'm talking at least 10 games over 500. 92 points uh that would mean the Canucks would have to go about 17 or 18 games over 500 in their uh, remaining 57 games which sounds pretty challenging as I welcome Matt Sakaris from the Sakaris and Price podcast in Vancouver to Inside Sports Matt thanks for checking in man how are you doing I uh, read very well. Normally, of course, we're together here during Grey Cup week, right? This is normally when I see you and talk to you and Dave and everybody up uh in Edmonton and from Chad. So I appreciate the time here tonight, sir. Yes, and, and I'm sorry to, to start with that overly pessimistic uh, view to things that you got to, the, the team would have to go, um, you know, 17 games over 500 the rest of the way. I got to tell you, man, no, the, first year, the, the, the first year I hosted Oilers broadcasts was the fall of 2013, and they started yep. 4 15 and 2. Yeah. They were 4 yeah. 15 and 2. Similar mark for the Canucks. I'll start very generally. Like, what what went wrong? Was this a Benning thing? Was this a Green thing? Is this just players sleepwalking? Like, how do you break this down? Well, all of the above. I mean, uh, it's a poorly constructed roster. Uh, they have bad process and bad culture here with the Vancouver Canucks. And then the players went out and spit the bit and played as poorly as they did, particularly Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser, and Bo Horvat off the first 20, 25 games of this season. So total organizational failure. There's plenty of blame to go around, top to bottom. 
Um, now, we are astonished that Elias Patterson and Brock Besser has looked as poor as they have this year. I mean, we thought these two guys, especially with the number of power play opportunities they've had this year, would be a whole lot better than they were. We thought this whole team would be a little bit more offensive than it has proven to be through nearly a third of the season here. But it was pretty clear they had tuned the coach out. It was pretty clear that the coach was out of answers. Uh, the team was not particularly well constructed. Uh, the general manager, I guess, ex-general manager now here, seemed to be reading from a 1970s textbook in terms of the type of players he wanted and the way he was willing to remunerate bottom-of-the-roster players, third-pair defensemen, fourth-line forwards, got four-year deals here for some bizarre reason. And uh, the owner and chairman, Francesco Aquilini, was quite happy just to you know be able to... Uh, have his hand in hockey and uh, be in on some of these decisions. So there is a whole lot of healing of the public trust that has to go on here in Vancouver with the Canucks and and their fan base, and there's a whole lot of winning that is going to be required to even sniff the playoff race. And, Reed, frankly, I think we're already playing for 2022-23 as we stand here right now. Yeah, I, I hate to say this, and I'm not trying to be mean, but but I agree with you. And with and with Oilers teams, I, I've been there where you know on December, whatever today's December sixth, or you mm-hmm. know on December twenty second, where it's like okay, they might have some good stretches, but but they're not. I mean, you know, like it's like mm-hmm. San. Okay, like say L.A. What 10, we've been saying, Reed, is what we've been saying, Reed, is they're a seven game win streak away from being a seven game win streak yes. away. You know, that's where we, and it's been several weeks here too, brother. Like it's been two or three weeks since we've known, yeah, playoffs aren't going to happen because of how poorly they played this opening stretch. And this is two years in a row where they have just been so awful out of the shoot that they've compromised the season within the first six, eight weeks of the year. You know, and look, it's, you know what it's like before the season, we make predictions. It's fun. I thought Vancouver could be in the top three in the division. Now, maybe as someone who doesn't cover them on a day-to-day basis, I'm looking at the high-end guys, and I'm looking at Demko. Did you have them as a playoff team? Yeah. Or a, no? So I had them Yeah, I had them fighting for the fourth spot in the Pacific, which I thought okay. you know, could be a playoff team. I thought they would hang around the fringes of the, of the playoff race. I certainly didn't think this team a contender. But you looked at the offensive talent that they could put forward, uh, you know, the top nine that they have, as well as a couple of good offensive defensemen in Clint Hughes and, and Oliver ekman Larson. And I thought between that and a young up-and-coming, like top-ten goaltender in the league in Thatcher Demko and a terrific backup in Yarrow Halak, that there would be enough combination of goal scoring and goaltending on this team to float their boat through much of the year. I thought they'd be poor defensively, uh, and this is really a dreadful uh, defense on paper when you look at it. And uh, again, read the similarities between our markets and their struggles over the years. Um, and yet, and here we look at the team uh, through 25. They actually haven't been that bad. Defensively, there's been a lot of effort here. Five on five, they haven't been, you know, completely outplayed as we thought they would. It's it's really been special teams. The power play has not connected, was not been that spark that everybody thought it would be, and the penalty killing has been historically bad. Like this could be one of the worst penalty killing seasons in the history of the National Hockey League, the way it's going, and I'm afraid that is not hyperbole. That is actually borne out by the facts. Well, 
the Oilers will be looking forward to the next matchup then. <laughs> oh, I know. The top two is best power play two years running, right? Edmonton going into this year. You'll forgive me. I don't know where they rank as we sit here and talk tonight, Reed, but I know there's been a couple of games already, and I know Edmonton has won both of them, and I would think that Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl and the great talent there licking their chops at a chance to play the Canucks and this penalty kill unit again. Okay, so uh, Matt Sikaris joining us from Vancouver from the Sikaris and Price podcast as he's telling you about a disappointing season so far for the Canucks and some of the big changes there. So Boudreaux's <laughs> behind the bench. Um, I, yeah. I think he ran a practice today or, the, or I he guess did. a three-game skate. So what did, what did, did you hear from him? Well, a very uh, jolly, jovial guy, Bruce Boudreaux, as everybody knows. His nickname is Gabby, and there's good reason. I mean, he is a communicator first and foremost, and he basically said he was desperate to get back in and coach in the National Hockey League again and jumped at the opportunity here, even though he doesn't know who's general manager. And ultimately, his direct supervisor will be. He was hired by ownership here, so there are some that are saying carts before horses yet again here in Vancouver, and that may well prove to be the case. Uh, Boudreaux told us it would be a series of short-term goals, that he's got to be careful not to give them too, too much, and just get them focused on near-term goals, like winning two of three games this week. He said, you know, I can't sit here and say, you know, we got to get back in the playoff race because of how daunting that is. What I can say is let's make up a point this week. Let's make up a point next week and the week after. So um, there's going to be some near-term uh, and short-term goal setting. He talked about how he's got to be able to unlock the offensive potential here of some of the great stars, and he has got a long history of that in his tenure through Washington and Anaheim and Minnesota. And, um, you know, it's also just great to see a happy coach at a podium read. I, I don't know, um, you know, where you're at or where you have been over the years covering the Oilers, but, I mean, Travis Green towards the end, and it's too bad, just seems so dour each and every time we talk to him. And oftentimes that was coming off losses, or oftentimes that was after practices where he had to figure out what the answers were. But So it was just great to hear some energy and enthusiasm from a Vancouver Canucks coach because it had been a while. So Stan Smeal's the interim GM. What's mm-hmm. your sense of, of how long he's going to be the interim GM and how free will yeah. he be to make moves? Well, he said he doesn't plan to be just to sit there and watch GM. He is going to be bringing opportunities to ownership, and you have this unwieldy list of either interims or senior advisors. Stan Spiel is the interim GM. Ryan Johnson, who had been the general manager of their farm team in Abbotsford, is now the interim assistant general manager. Chris Gear was the existing assistant general manager who stays on in his role, and he's more of a sort of legal side and the finance side. And then you have three senior advisors, Daniel and Henrik Sedin, as well as Doug Jarvis, who are all part of this interim committee, if you will, led by Stan Smeal. They didn't put a timeline on it. They did say it would be an exhaustive search. The chairman, Francesco Aquilini, did not discount going third-party headhunting firm, and uh, the name Mike Ford has been out there. He has done just that for NBA teams for a number of years and has started doing that with NHL teams as well. And even the structure, uh, they're open to different structures, including a president of hockey operations and GM or just a, a straight president or a straight GM. So I don't suspect we'll hear anything before Christmas. I think it's going to be at least a month here. There was some people wondering whether or not there's somebody already hired 
and that they're basically operating, ownership is operating through a shadow general manager who at some day is going to be revealed here. But, you know, barring something like that, I suspect it will be at least until the new year before we hear anything. Although I suspect someone ought to be in place by the trade deadline because they do have some big decisions to make here, particularly if this season is lost. Whoa, shadow general manager. That's full-on X-Files stuff there, buddy. Don't you love that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> the man behind the curtain reads, pulling the all man. the strings. Yes, exactly, through ownership and with uh, this new head coach. Well, you know, I, I uh, and look, I spent the first hour of the show talking about, uh, you know, shortcomings with the Oilers, and, and they have them despite having a pretty good record, but, uh, I, I know what it's it's like, and I know how fans want things to be better. And I've seen jerseys thrown on the ice here, and uh, mm-hmm. wanting you know everything to be blown up. So I know what the the, the tension can be like mm-hmm. in a, in a Canadian market, and I'm sure you know some American markets with their with their hockey teams. Mostly, yeah. so, you know, hopefully there are some things that excite the fans the rest of the way to at least make them feel engaged in the team. Yeah, I, I hope so too. I mean, Reed, it wasn't too long ago, and you were, you got a front, you know, a, a front row seat to it, and we certainly looked at it from one province away, where you know the organization could do nothing right, where they had completely eroded the trust, where people were hoping for the owner to sell the team because they could not see a brighter day under the under the ownership that they had. We saw all of that here this year with the Vancouver Canucks. We heard chance of fire Benning in the arena. We heard chance of sell the team in the concourse. We saw Jersey hit the ice for the first time on Saturday. And we've got people more and more, uh, you know, fans here in this market who have turned apathetic. So, you know, the hope here, especially for all of us who cover the Canucks are looking forward to some of the great enthusiasm and passion we saw from this province a decade ago when they made a run to the cup final is that we're done with those days that while it's a long road back to competitiveness and contender status, that suddenly we're on a journey that is now bottomed out and is heading in the right, heading in the right direction, because it's a lot more fun going through the winter months in Canada when the local hockey team is doing well, or at least giving you reason to smile and talk about, uh, and talk about its happenings. All right. Well, I, I appreciate the update. Um, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Mm-hmm. I, I do like it when the Canadian, all the Canadian teams are at least, I guess they can't all be contenders at the same time, but I like it better when they're all at least competitive because it makes the games that much better. Are you going to the Grey Cup this year, my friend? I am not. It's going to be the first in a number of years that I missed, but just with everything going on. Not going to be able to make it, but do uh, do plan on watching. I imagine it's going to be an awesome week in Hamilton. It's been a long time since they've hosted a Grey Cup, and they got a pretty cool matchup there with the home team back in it and a rematch from two years ago. So I will be watching as a fan and having my Grey Cup party on Sunday, not covering the game this year. Matt, it was an honor to have you on the show. Say hi to Blake Price for me as well, please. Really appreciate the update, man. Let's talk again soon. Thanks, Reed. Be well.
That is Matt Sakaris checking in from the Sakaris and Price podcast in Vancouver. So, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty much all gone wrong for the Canucks this season. So we'll see if Bruce Boudreau and Stan Smeal, at least for the time being, can try to uh, salvage some things and get some energy going between now and the end of the season. We got a new ticket of initiative to tell you about here in Edmonton. That's next on Inside Sports. It's called the Ultimate Fan Pass. So you get one ticket to a Stingers game, a Riverhawks game, an Elks game, and an FC Edmonton game in 2022. They announced that this morning. I talked to former Oilers defenseman, the managing director for the Riverhawks, Randy Gregg. Well, Randy, first of all, uh, why do you think this is important for these teams to do this together in terms of having this ticket package? Well, personally, I'm a little bit selfish. I I was born in Edmonton. I was born in Inglewood a long time ago. And when I was young, uh, anything that had Edmonton on it was my team. The Eskimos, uh, the Oilers, the the soccer teams and things like that. And so uh, it's natural to think that there's competition between the community sport organizations. And in fact, that's not the case. There's a great deal of collaboration. We hope that the Stingers are vastly successful, and we hope FC Edmonton packs the stadium. We hope that lots of people come to the Elks games and, and the Riverhawks games. And so by making this fan package that allows uh, not only the opportunity for a fan to come and maybe experience a little bit different sport in our community, and also help with a nice charity along the way, it really makes some sense. So we want to send a message that uh, there are four organizations, but we're working together for the betterment of sport in the community. And, of course, we'd love people that may be soccer fans that don't know what a baseball looks like to come out and enjoy it and say, you know, it's a pretty good game, too. All right. Now, unfortunately for you guys, you didn't get to play this year. So uh, how are things looking for 2022? And uh, I, I know, obviously, you wanted to do some work on the field and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. This field was in, in disarray for sure, and it was a difficult one. We've uh, spent a lot of time and money and effort. Uh, brand new artificial turf, so we're pretty excited about that. The uh, the lights, which were old and not working very well, being completely uh, revamped, a brand new scoreboard. Uh, we realize that there's going to be a group of fans in Edmonton that are baseball fans. They're going to come and they could sit down in a patch of grass and enjoy the game. But we also realize there's a lot of people that haven't experienced baseball that might want to come and be entertained with a you know, a Twitter contest on our on our scoreboard, and look at the, the majesty of some uh, brand new uh, lights in the in the River Valley in the, in the uh, evening. Um, so we're looking at a larger market that might come and say, "Boy, the price is right. I can bring my family down. It's not going to break the bank. I'll enjoy some nice cold drinks and some some reasonably priced food." And also, from my standpoint, because I'm a bit of a baseball fan, to see some really great young players. Uh, we won't see a Connor McDavid. But we may see somebody who four or five years from now may be playing with the Dodgers, the Yankees, or something like that. So we'll look back on it and say, boy, I remember when he was a Riverhawks and he played here in Edmonton. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.